need to jump off a cliff. We did a few Arctic expeditions, covered 500 kilometers with our own team of Huskies, cross-country skied across the top of Norway. You're on a, a hill or a mountain and you basically just run off the side of the mountain. And I showed the video to my dad and I was mm. like, how do we do that? <laughs> From jumping out of planes just with a parachute that made you go, hold on, I, mean, I want a bigger buzz than this and actually put a wingsuit on. That wingsuit was always a plan. It's almost like you're inside a jet. It's almost like you are a fighter jet. Jumping off a cliff, the, I mean, the risk goes up. You need to appreciate that it is risky and it is dangerous. It's situations where if you fall, you're not going to be okay. Pretty much every problem there's a solution to as long as you react. When you're on the edge of a cliff here, you're jumping off and then you're going head forward wherever you want to go. 100 plus miles an hour and those suits can go up to like 200 miles an hour. Uh, 193 is my top speed. 193 mile an hour. Forward speed. Is there any time when you were skydiving when you came close to losing your life? Welcome to the Eventful Lives Podcast. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sports and music festival. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. If you haven't already, do us a favour, press the follow button and check us out at Dodge Woodall on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube, where we've now had over 80 million views. Liam Byrne is a professional wingsuit skydiver and madman. A base jumping British champion, Liam's adventure mindset sees him jumping off mountains, free falling from 15,000 feet, barrel rolling at nearly 200 mile an hour, and even soaring near the edge of the atmosphere. This is the eventful life of Mr. Liam Byrne. Liam, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, very much looking forward to it. A very different one, this one for us, but I'm properly excited by this one. Let's roll all the way back. Where did you grow up and how did you end up earning a living jumping off out of planes and off the side of massive cliffs? So originally I'm from a little town called Stonehaven, northeast of Scotland. Um, I guess early childhood was fairly normal. Pretty nice place to grow up. I had like, surrounded by forests near the sea. Spent a lot of time out exploring on my own. Mm. Always had that sense of adventure i guess um always wanted to run very far away from home you know that was mm. always my i always had that vision of just like getting out into the world and getting amongst it yeah um i had a lot of good role models growing up my dad is a nutter and mm. he uh he steered me in a good direction surrounded by all his friends ex-forces so i was around sort of people with a good mindset of getting Brilliant. out there and achieving things and I, I always knew there was more out there to the standard sort of mm. life that you're you know and, in school. and and school life for you were you like an academic or you like just get me out in the open i want to be when were you starting jumping off stuff when did you realize you had that bug so i started skydiving at 16 but prior to that there was other things that kind of led to it so like i say growing up i was in always into sports i was into activities like rugby kickboxing mountain biking um and then at 12 me and my dad did our first sort of big expedition. We went and climbed Kilimanjaro. With your old man? Yeah, with Amazing. my old man out in Africa, which yeah. at that time was an absolute dream. What's your dad's me. name? Michael. Michael. Michael Byrne. Big yeah. shout out to Michael Byrne. Big shout out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we did that. That kind of, I guess, really kick-started something of like getting out there and doing adventures. And I think for my dad as well, he was... You know, he always says he was reliving his childhood for me. So it was kind of like it was we bounced <laughs> like off most each parents, other. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So we bounced <laughs> off each other perfectly in that sense. Any ideas I had, he was up for any ideas he had, I was up for. So basically from 12 to 16 was jam packed full of, I guess you could call them extreme activities. We did Mount Elbrus over in Russia, 
when I was 13. You, what do you mean you did that? Climbed it. You climbed it? Yeah, highest mountain in Europe. Is that right? Yeah. With your dad? Yeah. Wow. Um, and then after that, we did a few Arctic expeditions, uh, covered 500 kilometers with our own team of Huskies, part of like a science expedition, cross-country ski across the top of Norway, again, all with my dad. Um, and I did a lot of things. I had to wait till I was 16 before I could start skydiving as much as my dad asked around to try and find somewhere that we could do it younger. <laughs> um, so we did a paragliding license, which is, I guess, the closest thing you can get as sort of training, you know, at least getting used to flying. How do you explain paragliding to listeners? So you've already got a canopy out on the ground. You're on a, a hill or a mountain. In our case, it was just like small hills. Uh, and you basically just run off the side of the mountain. The, the canopy then inflates. Yeah. And then it's similar concept to a skydiving parachute. It's just much bigger and you, you're just floating around basically. Yeah. It was very fun. It was good training, but it didn't give us that adrenaline rush we were sort of hunting for. Um, and then, yeah, the moment I turned 16, me and my dad went out to Portugal together and we both learned at the same time. Did our, it's called an AFF course, which is um, basically they, you do about 20 jumps with instructors. AFF stands for? Accelerated free fall. Okay. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they, they basically it's how you get your license to qualify to jump anywhere in the world on your own. Simple or than you would think. Okay. Like um you basically just get thrown in the deep end. You do a day of ground school where they kind of go over everything that can go wrong and how you can fix it. If at the end of that process you still want to jump out the plane, which of course we did, mm. you are you've got your own parachute straight away and you jump with two instructors who basically they jump out the plane with you, they hold on to you, make sure you're stable, give you some signals, but you're you're on your own. Mm. And then over the course of seven jumps you pass you've got certain objectives you need to pass just to show that you can basically save your own life and then from there it's solos um and bear in mind each free fall is about a minute so you learn to skydive essentially in seven minutes of you know yeah. free fall time and it's not easy it's it's more challenging you like f the physics of it are more difficult than you think i uh, we both expected to just rock up jump out a plane and you know have a bit of, have a bit of a laugh but um yeah, when you start understanding the physics of the wind and your body position and how tiny little movements can send you into crazy spins. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's more full on. But so was that, so I just want to roll back a bit further. That you're doing everything with your old man here. Mm -hmm. What did your old man do for a living? He's got a small construction company. What did he do though to have all this adventure to bring out the adventure in both of you? So he's ex-forces. And I mean, his childhood's pretty mad as well. Um, I mean, he's a, probably a podcast on his own. Yeah, I was going to say, um, get, get, get Michael on. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's have some stories to tell I you. I bet he has. Um, but yeah, he's, I guess he's always had sort of a adventurous. Was it a military background he had? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's ex-forces. Okay. Um, Special forces? No, he was 2-9 commando. Okay. Up in Arbroath, which is actually where he's from. Yeah. Yeah, where I'm from as well. Mm. Um, yeah, he did a bunch of stuff in the military, like Belize trips, Norway trips. Um, he was out in Iraq. Um, so your whole family, basically, you grew up with that sort of adventure mindset. Yeah, yeah. When was it? When was it? When was it? The bug that you wanted to jump out of a plane. W what age were you then? I was twelve years old when I seen a YouTube video of a guy called Espen Fadnes, who's now actually a good friend of mine. Yeah, uh, flying a wingsuit down the side of a mountain, and I showed the video to my dad, and I was mm. like, "How do we do that? How do we do that?" So <laughs> Quality. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and he was, and then we looked into it from that point. So at twelve, we were already. Okay, how do we do this? Let's make a game plan of how to actually make it happen. And yeah, so I mean, it was, I did my first wingsuit jump at 17. So just to explain here, you've jumped out of a plane, AFF. Yep. 
You how many how many jumps have you got to do to have your own license to go and do that by yourself? So to have your own skydiving license is the whole process is about twenty jumps. Okay. So eight with instructors, and then you do about ten to twelve solo. So you're saying eight with instructors that you're strapped onto them, or you're by yourself and they're flying? They're yeah, they're there alongside you. They're there to help if stuff goes wrong. Um, I was lucky enough to have some really good instructors, okay. but yeah, there's, you're still you're on your own. It's your risk. You know, there's no guarantee that an instructor can fix your problem. Yeah. You're there to save your own life. But yeah, they're there. To, they're there to help. So, how many jumps did you do with an instructor on the, when you're in front of an instructor and they're behind you? I did one. You did one to get that buzz, that feeling. Then you're like, just yeah. give me. Get, I want to be by myself. Yeah. Did yeah. you have any fear? Oh yeah, loads of fear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, still a fear. Yeah. Okay. Loads of fear. I think anyone that says they're not scared when they're first jumping out of a plane is yeah. Lying or mm. a psychopath. Mm. So it's, yeah, the fear, is what, the fear is what's good. Yeah. The the actual free fall though, as soon as you get to the door and you jump, there is no fear. Yeah. Okay. There's the fear goes and it's like even in the videos when you're spinning out of control, you're smiling. Yeah. Um, it's like your brain goes, oh well, we're it, we're in it now, so like let's just do what we need to do. So so when you've jumped out of a plane, what are you concentrating on? What have you got around you? Have you got two parachutes? Have you got a safety parachute? Have you got watch? What's what's what are you? What you're fully focused on. So with skydiving, you have two parachutes. You have a main parachute and a reserve parachute. Yeah. So if your main one malfunctions and you can't fix the problem, you can cut it away, get rid of it, and then pull your reserve. Okay. And your reserve usually works. Yeah. Um, and then main thing is altitude awareness. So you wear an altimeter on your hand. In the beginning, you've got a massive one. It's like a like a clock, but yeah. big. So it's pretty obvious. Um, once you progress past the license, you have things in your ear as well that beep at you at certain heights to let you know what you're doing. Okay. So that's a big focus, obviously, if you lose altitude awareness and you get to a certain certain altitude. Basically, for your main parachute to open, you need about between 700 and 1,500 feet. And even then, if you have a problem, you wouldn't have any altitude to deal with it. So we're opening a parachute about 4,000 feet. So where, how high are you jumping from? 15,000 feet. So 15,000 feet. You've yep. got one minute of free fall. Yep. That takes you down to what? How many thousand feet is that? 4,000 feet. 4,000. And then you, pull, then you pull the parachute. Yep. If you pull the parachute and you're at 2,000 feet, mm -hmm. what happens then? If you pull your main parachute at 2,000 feet, you'd be fine. But if you had a problem with it, you would not have the altitude to then cut it away, get your reserve out. So 2,000 feet is actually the threshold, or at least my personal threshold, where if I have a problem with my main parachute, yeah. And at 2,000 feet, I've not fixed it. I'm going to get rid of it right. and get my reserve out. Because if I take it any lower and I still can't fix a problem, it's a, not a good situation. Yeah. So you've got to be pretty on it. And when you're dealing with those stressful situations, which are sometimes quite high speed, yeah. you've got to constantly be checking your altitude and knowing what you're, yeah. knowing what you're doing. Where was the buzz then? Because you you, you, you're obviously loving the buzz of everything going on. Yeah. What was the bit from jumping out of planes just with a parachute that made you go, hold on a minute, I want a bigger buzz than this, and actually put a wingsuit on? The wingsuit was always a plan. Was it? That was why we got into a wingsuit okay. base jumping was always a plan, um, which is kind of you see a few people like that. They get into it. They see videos on YouTube, but then once you get into the sport and you learn more about it, you realize that that's uh, it's an achievable dream, but it should be a long process. It's not a. It's something if you rush into that, you could be a statistic pretty easily. Right, it's okay. a, base jumping is a whole different beast mm. of like risk and. Dealing with risk. I can tell by your eyes you like risk. I can tell you like your eyes you like that adrenaline buzz as well. I like the challenge of dealing with it and mm. the mindset of like not freaking out and panicking because yeah. it's there's processes and every problem, pretty much every problem there's a solution to as long as you react. Yeah. But if you have that like, oh, what do I do? Yeah. In base jumping, 
that what do I do is enough time to, to kill you. How old were you when you did your first ever base jump? 21. I've been base jumping for about a year now, pretty much exactly a year. Um, I waited. So we were base jumping, like skydiving is very regulated. They have license systems. They yeah. have a lot of rules, health and safety. Base jumping is not even a recognized thing. It's, it's completely rogue. Well, it's not a recognized sport. I it guess, is, but it's not. Yeah, it's not regulated. Okay. So you, you could go base jump right now. Yeah, okay. Um, which obviously would be very dangerous because yeah. there's not a lot of training. That's why there is so much like risk associated with it because of how accessible it is. But there is kind of, there's guidelines that you follow. Like you, you should have a minimum of 200 skydives. It's kind of like the general rule before you start base jumping. But in my opinion, that's, it's not enough. You like 200 skydives. When I look back now, and we, we were close, me and my dad, to doing a base jump at 200 skydives, but you, you don't know enough. You've is not, that right? You've not had enough stressful situations to see how you deal with it. And then you have a few stressful situations. You realize how much more you have to learn in terms of flying your body because it's not a... Like, it's, it's crazy how endless skydiving is in terms of progressing your skills. Like, I have coming up on 3,000 skydives now. Have you? And I have so much I want to learn, okay. so much I want to do, and so much I want to progress. So as long as you have that learning mindset of like, I like to learn yeah. and I like to be progressing, it's, it's, I think it's the perfect sport. So from 17 to 21, you were holding yourself back from doing any base yeah, jumping. Really, really hard. And did you find that back. difficult to hold yourself back because you just wanted to get into the mix? I said to myself, I will wait till I have a thousand skydives. Yeah. And when I said it to myself and I said it to the people around me, I kind of let the idea go out of my mind. I was like, I'm going to do it, but I need to wait till I have a thousand skydives. So put it out of your head for now. Then I got a thousand skydives and I was just enjoying skydiving so much. I was working in it. I was coaching. I was progressing myself. And I thought, I don't need to do it right now. Like I could and it would be safe, but I don't need to. So I'm going to wait till I have 2,000 skydives. And then I said that. And I was like, oh, okay, I have to wait till I have 2,000 now. And then as soon as I hit 2,000, I was like, let's book the course. Now I now I need to jump off a cliff. Yeah. I had that, like, <laughs> I, I have to do it right now. Because um, I know myself and I knew as soon as I start, it was going to consume my life the same way skydiving did. Yeah. And it, I mean, it did. I, mm. I did 250 base jumps in my first year of base jumping, which is... Proper addiction. Yeah. yeah. It's quite full on. <laughs> we, I was trying to go back, just before we go into the base jumping there, the actual skydiving, you said you've got 2,000 under your belt. What are you learning? Are you learning to be under different pressures, knowing that everything you're learning here that you do want to take into the base mm -hmm. jumping? Yeah, so there's there's a lot of sort of physics involved in it, and there's a lot of things you can do with your body. Like when you start, you're just flying in like a belly-to-earth orientation, if you can imagine that. You know, you see videos of people flying around the sky, making shapes, yeah. holding hands, yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff. I'm not into that kind yeah. of stuff. So that, that to me is... Kind of boring yeah but it's a good skills to learn you learn those skills then you have disciplines like tracking we call it which essentially is like wingsuiting without a wingsuit you're just putting your body in a position that then the way that you manipulate the air and the uh, the lift pushes you forward so you're kind of like iron man you know when yeah. he's flying yeah. that's probably the best way for people to imagine it which in base jumping is very essential because if you jump off a cliff and you're just wearing normal clothes you need to get as much separation from the cliff as possible before you open. Yeah. Because sometimes you can do everything right, but your parachute will open and turn around. Right. So then you're dealing with a face to face with a cliff. And right. if you hit a cliff, you're you're gone. It ain't good. So yeah, the further away you get. Um so yeah, that's all training. The better tracker you are, the safer you are. Also it's just so much fun to do in the sky. You can have ten of your mates 
and you're all in this big formation flying like 200 miles an hour, like high five and like a hands grip away. On, the, on parachuting? Yeah, in skydiving. Yeah. Skydiving, It's wow. insane what you can do in the sport. Wow. It's it's almost, I, I, I view it like art almost. It's artistic. It's yeah. like expression. It's creative. It's, and it's quite a new sport in the grand scheme of things. So like there's things, there's always new ideas you can do and things you can try and learning how to fly your body in every orientation. So literally every angle you can imagine is possible to fly, mm. but it's difficult, especially when you're, if you imagine you're flying on your head, so like head down, your speed's like 200 plus miles an hour. So every little like move of a finger really impacts you is and it? can ping you okay. off. And if you're on a jump with 10 people and somebody's above you and you, it's called corking, you like basically you got, you lose control and you ping up, that closing speed can kill you or knock, oh. knock you unconscious or like injure you. So it's quite, they can be quite high stress jumps themselves, mm. you know, high level. You need to be on it. You need to be focused. You need to know the plan. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that all prep prepares you. For Was there it. any time when you were skydiving when you came close to losing your life? No, I wouldn't say I ever came close to losing my life. I was in situations where if I handled them differently, I guess I could have, but no, I always, I've never thought, oh my God, I nearly died. Yeah. I've had a situation with parachutes malfunctioning and using my reserve quite a lot. I've had seven reserve rides. So you've um, had seven out of 2,000 reserve rides? 3,000 skydives now. 3,000, okay. But yeah, yeah, seven, which- Is when, that good ratios? Uh, when you're, when you're add wingsuiting into it, the risk goes up just because, because a wingsuit is always flying forward. It changes the physics of the parachute opening a little bit. Um, you're also restricted because you're zipped up in a suit. Yeah. So it, it does give you more issues. So yeah, the ratio is higher with a wingsuit. Mm. So yeah, it's pretty, and I fly some some pretty big wingsuits. Mm. So, yeah. so let's move on to the, the base jumping and mm. wearing a wingsuit. Just explain to myself and the listeners what actually is a wingsuit. What does it look like? What does it feel like? How big is it? How are you slotted into it? Best way to describe what a wingsuit is, is you know those videos you see of the little flying squirrels. Flying squirrels, yeah, jump, yeah, yeah. Jump from a tree and they yeah. expand and they have like webbing yeah. between them. <laughs> Is a, I mean, it's not quite like that, but it's the best comparison in, in nature, I guess. Um, but essentially it's, it's two pieces of material that once, and you have like air inlets on your arms and on your legs, so that when the air comes into you, the suit inflates and your body's inside it. So you're basically inside of this fully rigid wing. Cause once you're going like hundred plus miles an hour and those suits can go up to like 200 miles an hour forward speed. Um, it's a rigid wing. It's almost like it's almost like you're inside a jet. It's almost like you are a fighter jet. You know how I describe it. It's like you are a fighter <laughs> jet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. So then, and the way it's designed, it's always moving forward. The problems come when you fly really slow. You can stall the suit, and then that's where you get a world of issues. But yeah, it's basically you inflate, and then you can control the angle. You can control your forward speed just by again body position. So are you in? So just explain to me. Are you slotting into a suit? Are you like, how, how are your arms? How, how, how is it? So it's, it's basically the angle of your arms would be like this. Yep. You're then zipped up completely in the suit. So it's just your head that's out. Everything else is inside the suit. Yep. Uh, you have to unzip then to get out of it. Kind of like, it's almost like you're in a sleeping bag. Okay. Would be kind of a, a good way to describe it. Mm. Uh, but it's very restrictive. Like when you first start, it feels horrible. Especially when you're in a plane or like you're on a awkward cliff edge and you're trying to shuffle to the end. It's it's not very comfortable in the beginning, but like anything, you get used to it. Mm. Um, and then the other issue is then when you're under parachute, you have more things to deal with. You've got zips to undo before you can start dealing with issues because 
your arms are restricted to here. Okay. So if you have a parachute above you that's twisting up and diving towards the ground, yeah. you've got to then add a little bit of time right, to, okay. before you can fix the issue, which... Which that's when your 3,000 jumps comes under your belt, yeah. which helps. Okay. Because yeah, you can be looking at a problem, identifying a problem. How am I going to fix this while you're doing it in a very okay. calm way rather than... Uh, you've got to have a very strong and calm mind for these situations, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what's going to save your life is... Yeah. What's the problem? How do I deal with the problem? Right. Understanding that if While you make, you're going 200 mile an hour. Yeah. Well, hopefully if you have a parachute out, you're, you're, at least it's slowing down a little bit. Yeah. But, um, and in skydiving, you do, as long as you make good choices and you open parachutes at the correct height, you do have some time. In skydiving, you, you should have some time to deal with it. In base jumping, everything is just, everything is instant decision. So when, so let's move on to this base jump. Then when was your first ever base jump? When was the first time you whacked on a suit and go, right, I'm finally here and I'm ready to do it? So my first base jump, um, I didn't start with the wingsuit. I just started like, like basically as I am now. You start on a bridge um, because a bridge is basically the safest way to learn. Because if you do have any issues, like your parachute opens the wrong direction, you've got clean yeah. airspace, you yeah. can just fly underneath yeah. the bridge. So I started in Croatia pretty much a year ago today. It was last last October, September, October. So just over a year. Did about 15 jumps from a bridge just to get basically comfortable with. The parachutes are pretty much the same, but they fly a little bit differently. So it's just getting comfortable with that. Was that easy for you? Like this is easy picking, just this, that's first bit. Yeah, yeah it was okay. scary. Yeah. For sure it was scary, but I had all the skills. So it was, and I'm pretty confident flying a parachute. Yeah. Because that's often where people hurt themselves is they, can't fly a parachute or they can't make decisions quick enough so they land in trees they land in right i mean if you land in a river you're you're dead so i like you that parachute will just drag you down pretty quick it would would it yeah because they just they're um the same sort of design as a wingsuit there are two surfaces that inflate yeah so if that fills up with water well, they just drag you down drag, yeah and in a wow. river as well oh. you'd be screwed oh. so yeah having being confident that you know you can fly a parachute takes a lot of the stress out and then once you do about 15 jumps like that you go to called Mont Brento in Italy. It's sort of the the place you do yeah. your first cliff jump. It's a massive overhung bowl. You get like a 15 second track off of it, free fall. Which, the overhung bowl? Bowl, yeah. So it's kind of, it's uh, it was created by like a landslide, basically, the, the earth like yeah, fell away. Okay. So the cliff is overhung. Right, okay. So you, it gives you more of a margin that even if you do have a- A twist, there's still air there. Okay. A little bit more space yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's really high. So you've got the- the app, the time to then track away and create more separation. So it's kind of, it's the mecca for learning. Yeah. Uh, you can get all your skills done there. And then I did about, I stay, I, I live in the back of my van. So I just parked my van at that mountain and I spent a good two months just there jumping every day, um, doing nothing else. And I got up to about 80, 80 base jumps and then I put the wingsuit on. And then from there's, I still, I like to take the wingsuit off and just fly my body. It's a, like a real nice feeling of freedom. But most of what I do now is is wingsuit flying in the mountains. Yeah, I got wow. pretty hooked. So how dangerous is it on a scale of one to 10 for skydiving in your mind versus how dangerous it is for a scale of one to 10 with a wingsuit on? So skydiving is very dependent on the person and the choices you make. For you? For me, I think skydiving is a one out of 10, two okay. out of 10, sky, like it's... yeah. I don't, I don't, when I'm skydiving, I don't see it as I'm risking my life. Right, okay. It's the same as, or in the same sense as in a car, you know, you make bad decisions yeah. in a car, you might die. Yeah. But for, especially when you have so many jumps and you're jumping all the time, it feels second nature. Like jumping out of a plane now is like 
pretty yeah. normal for yeah. me. I feel at home yeah. flying in the sky. Sometimes I walk on the ground and I feel like I'm clumsy in the sky. I feel like okay. at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wingsuiting in skydiving, so wingsuiting from a plane, the risk, the risk of life doesn't go up, but the risk of problems of a parachute and having to use your reserve does. But still, I don't. It's not a risk of life. Yeah, and that's out of a plane with a wingsuit. Yeah. Okay. Jumping off a cliff, the, I mean, the risk goes up. I don't know what number you would put it at. I don't. I do it very calculated and pretty safe, in my opinion. But the risk, oh, it'd be hard to put a number on it. But it goes up. The Rough, risks roughly, are real. Roughly. Uh, maybe a five. Okay. But again, not risk. It's not. But like you a, seem like a proper ballsy character, right? So yeah. maybe your five, someone else's might be an eight or nine. Yeah, yeah and that's okay. what it, it's a personal thing. It's, yeah. it's not like a half the chance I'm going to die. It's for sure. It's not that. It's just you need to appreciate that it is risky and it is dangerous. Yeah. And there are sometimes things that go wrong that are out with your control. So you, if you to think that, oh yeah, I'm I'm pretty safe because I'm making the right decisions, would be naive. Yeah. So there is always there's always more of a risk in base jumping. Yeah. Um. And then you see stuff happening all the time, like people doing dumb shit. And like what? Like people that aren't prepared, so they exit the cliff terribly. Imagine you jump off a cliff. So give me, just give me an example for myself and the viewers and everyone listening on YouTube here. How do you get to the top of that cliff, number one, mm -hmm. in this suit, what you're wearing? Because I've seen some of the your videos where you're yeah. like, tottering along on this yeah. cliff edge, which I, I wouldn't dream of even mm -hmm. going up there, let alone tottering along with this big wingsuit on. Yeah. Give me an example of... So we carry the gear up in a like a little rucksack. So we're still it's like just hiking, uh, normal hiking clothes, and then we carry all the gear up in a bag. Some places, like there's some places in Switzerland where you jump on a gondola and you walk, yeah. hike yeah, for yeah. 15 minutes, and yeah. there's exit points, which is amazing for training. Yeah. Um, and then there's some where it's like five hour, six hour hikes up some pretty full on mountains. That's more my kind of thing. That's more what but I. But you get the you enjoy the hike as well as the jump, the I, whole package sort of thing. Yeah, the hike usually scares me more. Yeah, especially like um, I jump the Eiger quite a lot, and there's a there's an exit point that's pretty much at the summit. It's like twelve and a half thousand feet, but getting there is so scary. It's like just very very steep and like scree. So the ground's just constantly falling beneath you, and if you, it's situations where if you fall, you're you're not gonna be okay. Um, what, what country is that Jaeger in? Jaeger? Uh, Switzerland. In Switzerland, okay. Yeah. yeah, Switzerland and Italy are where I do most of my base jumps. Mm. And yeah, so often the climb is often the climb is more dangerous. And we're we're not all climbers. Like I've got cl a climbing experience, a, cl a bit of a climbing background, but because the last couple of years I've been so focused on skydiving, I, I wouldn't call myself an expert climber mm. by any stretch. So I that's where I'm least comfortable. Still comfortable, but least comfortable. Whereas when I put the parachute and the wingsuit on and I'm tottering towards the edge. I know what I'm doing. So if you, when you've got that on and you're tottering towards the edge, and if you did slip, you're away to go. Okay, I can pull everything off, and away I go. Yeah, I mean, you're ne once you're in the wingsuit, you're never pulling the wingsuit off. Mm. But um, yeah, if you tripping off the edge is a problem. Yeah, because if it depends on the exit point as well. There's some exits where you've got enough room that you could trip, go a bit unstable, get flying, and go away. And then there's some where you need to be more focused and make sure you don't slip because if you did tumble and you're falling, you might not have enough time to yeah. resolve it. That gets a lot of people. Um, but yeah, no, I'm 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 very careful. I mean, you see the videos. I'm, mm. I'm tottering towards yeah, the yeah, edge. Yeah, I'm not same. just strolling up there. Yeah. It's like little step, little step. If your heart starts to go, I stop and I make sure I slow that down because any like when your heart's pumping fast, yeah. you're not making great decisions. Mm. Like you want to actually, although it's an adrenaline sport, you want to really. It's almost like it's. Uh, 
a challenge of how you can stop that adrenaline rush, mm. how you can sh- shut your body's response to that down and control it. That's kind of the challenge. It's like, it's an art. don't let yourself yeah. get freaked out. Yeah, Stand on the edge of a cliff, look down, know that you've trained, know that you know what to do in any situation and trust yourself. And mm. then just, and as soon as your feet leave the ground. What's that feeling like when you've walked five hours? How many hours out of that five hour walk of a six hour is the toughest, but you get to a point where you're like, right, I need to, I need to get to this horrible little bit edge here because that's the best bit. How long's that horrible little walk? Well, the Eiger is five hours a horrible little walk. Is it? It's, yeah, it's five hours of like sweating and scared. And the altitude as well, like it batters you. Like 12,000 feet hiking, is yeah. start, you start to feel it. Yeah. Um, yes, some of the hikes aren't so full on though. Some of the hikes are really nice, yeah. beautiful, like the kind of things you'd, you know, bring your mum along on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not that I have done that. I brought <laughs> my dad on a few, but um, but yeah, some some of the hikes can be long and scary and stressful. But I find that it, the hikes like that, although they're kind of horrible in the process, when you finally arrive at the exit point, you've actually got rid of all your adrenaline. Yeah. You're like, ah, now I do the fun part. Yeah. Now I know what to do. Eat a little snack, drink some water, and just let's just go have some fun. Okay. And because it's, I mean, it's you're making all your own decisions. You can chill there, enjoy the view, give yourself half an hour, listen to some music, like get in the zone. Usually, I'm with friends as well, so like you can bounce off each other. And then yeah, just that's that's the fun part. Mm. Um, What's that feeling like when you're on the edge when you're just about to jump off with a wingsuit on? And what's that feeling like when you're literally flying like a bird? Freedom. I would say that's the only word. It's such a hard feeling to describe. But yeah, when I'm on the edge, usually I have a big grin on my face. I kind of have that rule to myself. I don't like to jump unless I'm smiling. Yeah. Because if I'm not smiling, I'm not. There's something in my head that I'm not sure about. And there's exits where you're like, okay, I need to, I need to perform here. I need to do good. I have this line I want to fly. I know that I need to be like flying at this angle at this speed. If I'm not, I need to make smart decisions to disconnect from the terrain early, to not put yourself in a bad spot. Um, like there's, you're thinking, but you're usually thinking about all those things on the hike or yeah. beforehand, and you run it all through your head so many times that by the time you're on the exit, you don't need to think about that. Mm. You've already thought about that. Mm. It's already dealt with. So yeah, no, by the time I'm, by the time I'm on, on the edge, I'm, I'm happy, I'm, I'm calm. So when you're, when you're flying again, if you're jumping out of a plane, you're jumping down, mucking around and landing. Mm-hmm. When you're on the edge of a cliff here, you're jumping off and then you're going head forward wherever you want to go. Pretty much wherever you want to go, yeah. And... um I've seen some of the videos you've done. You're, you're close to the cliffs. Yeah. You're close to the cliffs that side. I think everyone's like, turn left, turn right. Like, Yeah, you have so much freedom to control where you fly. And especially when you have the skydiving skills to really know how to fly the suit and understand how the pressure feels in the suit to know how much range you have. Hmm. Like my thing is you have to fly steep and fast. If you're flying the suit steep and fast. Give me an example, steep and fast. Like, like a 45, yeah, 50 okay. degree angle, yep. 180 miles an hour forward speed. You have the range to then go flat enough and disconnect. So if the ground's like this, yeah. you're flying like this, yeah. you're, you're, you're trying really hard to get to the ground. So, so any video you see of me Why? Because it's the best feeling in the world. What, being as close to the ground as possible? Not as close to the ground as possible, but... But close. But yeah, close having that experience. And especially when you're, when you're holding the suit down, yeah. you know that if, if you go, oh, I'm too close, you can, you really okay. can, you can really peel away. But the video is... You can't see that in the videos. Yeah. You go, oh my God, he's only just cleared that yeah. rock. It's like, no, he's calculating to be to, at that point on the rock. What sort of dis- what sort of distance are you from, if you're going down like that mm. and the rock's like that and you're going down, what sort of distance are you, do you reckon, from the ground? 
Uh, depends. I, I don't get too close. I'm not stupid. Okay. Like I, there's a few. You're not being bull, you're not being crazy and going. You know, I want to get as close as I no, can just for that button. No, that's okay. not what it's about. For okay, me. it's about and in the moment as well. You don't feel like, oh my god, this is crazy because you're so in control. Yeah, you're like this is. I've got a smile on my face. Yeah. I'm, I'm chill at that point. It's it's intense focus. It's like that intense flow state of your your body just knows what to do. So sometimes I come down. I'm like, oh, it was a bit close when I look at the video, but in the moment you're like. This is you're so in control that you you can do it. Uh, exact heights, I I couldn't even tell you. How, what are you talking? Hundred foot? Yeah, I wouldn't want to go too much closer than that. Yeah, maybe okay. I haven't accidentally. On, not accidentally, but okay. on occasions where it's like, imagine you've got a big drop off at the edge, and then there's like a nice tree. You can buzz that tree pretty close because <laughs> you know because you know you've got the drop off at the end. Yeah. So it's nice to get that feeling of like, yeah, there's a tree right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty close to some trees, yeah. but in like a calculated controlled mm. there's never been a situation where i'm like oh god i was closer than i wanted to be so Not you're going at 180 miles is that the fastest you've been uh 193 is my top speed 193 mile an hour forward speed yeah it's quick <laughs> 193 in a car is ridiculously quick yeah as a single human being flying with these wings on yeah. that must feel i wonder what that would feel like if you were to compare that to being in a car would I mean, that be like 400 mile an hour in a car i'd imagine I don't know what it was for. I'd love I, to I know like, because you like can't, because you can't, as a non-jumper out of a plane person, I yeah, can't can quite fathom understand how fast. I know that'd be ridiculously fast. That is quick. I'd love to do what that comparison would be for a normal bod if they were in a car or on a you train. Can strap or... you to the roof of the car and I'll drive fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a good idea. Four hundred. Well, so, so how far, how far are you flying until you go right? I've had enough now. I want to pull the parachute and I want to land. Uh, every jump's different. So, like. I'll use the Iger as an example again. That's a about a two and a half minute flight, which is insane. That's like is that a, that's long. That's so you've walked six hours to do two and a half minute flight. Yeah, down like an iconic mountain. It's, okay, it's the, and it, that feels like time goes out the window. It feels like a lifetime. It's it's insane, and the buzz you get from that last days. It's like it's indescribable. Um, but there's some jumps that are lower. Some jumps you're only free falling for a couple of seconds. Yeah, like four or five seconds and pulling your parachute. Um, but again, it's 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 so worth it. It's mm. the best thing ever. And there's a difference between when I'm flying a wingsuit up a cliff. For me, that's like really high focus and like almost like zen. To then when you're just running off a cliff and tracking your body, it's a bit more intense because you've got that wall. Yeah, you're looking at the wall tracking, and you have that like intense feeling of ground rush. So that that's a bit more a bit more adrenaline there. Give an example of that. You just said you're running off a cliff, so you're back here and just going. Bam, 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 wallop, I'm having that. Here we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a good feeling too. And again, you're just flying your body at that point. Yeah. You know, you can be, I could be wearing this clothes now. Usually I wear maybe a jumper or something. Yeah. But you're like, you've got to understand lift and like how you can propel yourself forward and what you need to do with your body. And then you start to see the ground moving away from you and you're like, I'm flying now with just my body. It's, that's insane, it's a different, isn't it? It's, it's a different feeling, but yeah. they're, they're all it's both are. So how big how big is base jumping around the world right now? Is it a fast growing sport? It's growing. Social media is making it grow because yep. a lot of people are getting into it to just post videos, yep. which is not great. But I mean, I post videos too, so I can't yeah. say anything. It's nice yeah. to it's nice to share your experience yeah. and it's editing videos is a creative thing in itself. But it is growing. It's growing pretty rapidly. I don't know the exact numbers of jumpers, but it's still a very small, tight knit community. Like you rock up to, there's some some famous spots around the world, like Switzerland, like Moab, like Italy. Uh, and you rock up there and you know people. 
you can you rock, the amount of times I just rocked up to the edge of a cliff and like my mates just standing there. Yeah, you have no idea. He's it. It's like, oh, how's it going, bro? Yeah, okay. It's, uh, which is amazing. It's like a family. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some arseholes like where there isn't every walk of life, yeah. but I think because of the risks that we're taking, and the fact that you know not only are you taking the risk, but your friends are taking the same risk. Yeah. You you show a lot of, like love to your the people. Who's the you. who's the daddy? Who's the who's the king of? Who's the one everyone looks up to in this? base jumping world is there someone you go my god he's really pushed boundaries he's done some crazy stuff that i aspire to do that one day i think everyone has their own because there's so many different like branches of the sport there's people that jump buildings a lot there's people that climb like cranes and jump them there's people that jump mountains and wingsuits so everyone has their own different idols i guess there's no i don't think there's one person that you could say is the daddy mm. it's, it depends on depends on how you're looking at it yeah who's your who's your one you look up to Espen Fadnes is the reason I got into the sport. He's old school and has been pushing pretty hard and doing some cool stuff for a long time. He has thousands of base jumps. So he's he's proved that you can do it to a high level and stay alive. Where's he from? He's Norwegian. Norwegian. And then in terms of like flying, my friend Danny Roman is somebody that I look up to like, I want to fly like that because he just is artistic with every every little movement he does. It's just perfect. And from, from the outside watching the videos, you probably wouldn't notice a difference. Yeah. But when you know, you know, you know. Little, I'm just like, oh, it's just clean. It's nice. Yeah. It's, um, so, and I do, I get to do a lot of jumps with both of those guys, which is amazing about the sport. It's like the guys I would say, I would say those are the two best flyers in my opinion. And how old are these lads? You're 22. How old are these? Danny, I believe is like late twenties, maybe early thirties. Okay. Espen, maybe in his late thirties, yeah. maybe forties. Sorry if I'm saying that yeah, wrong, yeah. but uh, yeah, they're all older. Um, yeah, most of the people in the sport are older. When you're jumping up, when you're jumping off and you're in your wingsuit, you're going 180, 193 mile an hour, mm. flying two and a half minutes. Da, da. Where's the point where you've obviously got a? Sounds obvious, but you've obviously got a landing point where you want to be. Yep. Is it roughly where you want to be, or are you or you like I want to land on that circle every single time? No, you have a. I'm going to land there. If I can't land there, I'm going to land there. If I can't land there, I'm going to land there. Like the more options you have, yeah, okay, the better. Some jumps is like, no, you have to land here. You have to make it to that point, but you just make sure you do the right things to get to that point. Um, like just don't. That's the thing. If you get too sucked into the terrain yeah. and playing with it, and then you disconnect, yeah, and then you're like, oh, shit, I can't make it." Or disconnect your mind to go, oh, "I need to, I need to." Pull or the like physically disconnect. Yeah. that's what you call it when you you oh, then okay. peel away from the the ground. Um, if you leave that too late, which hasn't happened to me, but I can I can understand why it happens. And then you're just left with forest and you can't glide over the forest and you have to open your parachute and then maybe land in a tree, which it's not the end of the world, but it's a logistical nightmare if you're in the middle of a forest up a mountain stuck in a tree. It's <laughs> and you might have a broken leg, you might yeah, have a yeah, branch yeah. stuck. Like it could be really yeah. could be really bad or it could just be inconvenient and wreck your gear. Luckily in Switzerland, like the helicopters <laughs> are just coming yeah, you. Do you so, know what I so love about it. that? <laughs> Most people go, I land in a tree, oh, if I broke my leg or nightmare. Oh, it's proper inconvenience to get off the tree. <laughs> well, if you're, in a, if you're in a forest on your own, hanging from the tree, yeah, and the yeah, trees no, are I big. Get you. If, if I get you, you fall, it's like, if you fall, you can die yeah. from a tree. And it's like, do I just wait up at the tree? Yeah. Have you but, ever you ever, you ever landed in a tree? I've not. No. Have you ever landed in somewhere you think, oh, I shouldn't be landing here? Oh, yeah, a lot. In skydiving, I've landed in lots of very random places. Like Go on. Golf courses and little back gardens of people and... Because sometimes, sometimes the weather changes. Sometimes you fly further than you planned, and you can't get back because of the wind. And you need to, you need to just deal with that situation and land yeah. somewhere. Um, and that having that experience in skydiving of landing in lots of different places that I didn't really plan, mm. 
then helps when you're in base jumping because when you're in the mountains, you don't have this big airfield to land on. Yeah. You have like small fields where surrounded by forests and houses and rivers and you have to be you have to be precise. You can't mess it up. Mm. And it's the same when you have to land outside of the drop zone in skydiving. You've got to be you got to be pretty on mm. it and make good decisions. Cause... What what sort of stunts can you do in a wingsuit? That you go, you know what, I've got that in the locker, I know I'm good at that and that, but I need yeah. to learn that. Yeah, acrobatic flying is my that's my thing. So like barrel rolls, flying on your head, like sort of super high speeds. Give me an example of what flying on your head means. Uh, like so obviously a wingsuit's usually flying forward yeah. like that, but you can then fly it at like a super steep angle and like carve around with friends doing that with you as well. You can you can flare up so you can actually gain altitude in a wingsuit. Yeah. If as long as you've got the speed, you can gain like two hundred feet of vertical Is that altitude. Right? And now imagine doing that with five of your friends all together and then rolling over, going onto your head, playing around. like it's so much fun. It's so good. Um so yeah, that's kind of flying on your back. It's uh easy enough as well. What was like, the one you mentioned a minute ago? Barrel. You said barrel. Barrel roll. So like just, just doing like spins. You do like quadruple barrel rolls and things. Like you can play around, especially in skydiving, if you mess up, you've just got air around mm. you. So it's it's a good it's a good uh, learning ground. How much of an addiction is this to you? It's consuming my entire life. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's everything. It's, uh, yeah, especially now I started base jumping. It's everything that I think what's, about. What's the ultimate goal? <sighs> to create a life where I can just carry on doing it. Yeah. Honestly, like I'm not so, I have a lot of projects that I want to do, different things that haven't been done and things that I think would be just enjoyable for myself to mm. do, places I want to fly. But it's all for me. I'm just, I'm doing it all for me. I'm not trying to prove anything yeah. to anyone else. Like I um, I spent the last year training for competition. So I was training for like national championships and wingsuit flying, which I took pretty seriously. I was training real hard for it. Managed to win the competition. Got Did like uh, four gold medals. Well done. Um, but I'm like, Brilliant. it's good. Where was that? What country was that in? That was in the UK. Was was, okay. Yeah, national yeah. championships, um, which is obviously a nice feeling. It's yeah. nice to get rewarded with like, and to know that your hard work is paying off. Yeah. But that feeling isn't the same as just being on a mountain on your own or with like a few of your close friends and just experiencing that freedom and mm. the and again if you're on the top of a big mountain and you're looking down and there's endless options of where to fly it's it's like a create creative thing as well it's, it's like art it's mm. how can i express myself on this mountain um it's kind of how i view it so it's i get really deep into it and, yeah yes yeah, well, i love your passion yeah it's, love your passion how do you earn a pound note out of this how are you earning money? How are you looking for the future? Are the sponsors involved? Is there TV involved? Is there, is there something ahead? You're going, I need to keep training hard because I want to be the top Red Bull base jumper. I want to be involved in something massive happening in the world. Yeah, so most of what I make from the sport is coaching other people. So teaching people how to fly wingsuits. Uh, so people that have already got a skydiving license, they've done their 200 jumps. They want to learn how to fly. People that already know how to fly a wingsuit, but they want to learn how to do like the tricks, the barrel rolls, the back flying all that kind of things. Um, I spend a lot of time doing that. And also different disciplines like track and I, I can coach pretty much all the disciplines in skydiving, which is what I've been doing. Um, also filming tandems, a big thing that I do. So say anyone goes to like do a tandem skydive for like charity or whatever, and they want it filmed, I'll jump out and be their cameraman, which is super fun. You're just flying around somebody on their first experience. <laughs> it's it's It doesn't feel like a job, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, been lucky to have some sponsorship over the, over the past couple, like, Pretty much from when I was 12, actually, I have bits and pieces of sponsorship from a company called Rig Deluge, which is local to my hometown. Mm. They help massively, um, help with a lot of training, especially this last year, getting me ready for competitions. Um, they made that possible. And now I am at the point where I'm, I'm looking for looking for sponsorship. 
so basically allow me to do the projects I want to do. Otherwise, I need to be at the drop zone earning. Basically, the way I do it is I go to the drop zone, earn as much money as I can in a short period of time, and then go straight to the mountains and carry on What's training. What's the drop zone? Drop zone would be like a skydiving center, like a skydiving okay. club, where, where all the skydives And you'll happen. get paid daily for being there to do... Yeah, I would charge okay. like a, a day rate. And, yeah. um, so somebody would book me for a day, yeah. spend a day coaching with me. It's a very weather-dependent thing as well, yeah. which makes it sometimes you get booked for a day and then it's cloudy Cancel, and you can't yeah. jump. And it's so it's not um, it's not the most sustainable thing. But right now, like I mean, like I say, I'm living in the back of my van. I've been living in my van for years. Now um, I can just make enough money to go right. I can go spend a couple of weeks now in the mountains. Yeah. Because a big thing is consistency and currency. Mm. Like making sure you're doing it, doing it all the time actually makes it safer. Yeah. So although you're taking more risk by yeah. doing it more often. When you are doing it, the risk is smaller because yeah. you're 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 comfortable. You're not you're mm. not scared. You're 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 in your element. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I am in the process of looking for some sponsorship to mm. maybe just allow me to spend more time training and to spend more time focusing on projects. There's obviously there's a lot of planning goes into things with like there's some a few things I want to do. I can't go into all of them, but um, some things I'm trying to put into place just now that just require like permission from like civil aviation authorities landowner permission a range of helicopters and things like that so it's to be able to commit some more time would be ideal and then just be in the mountains just getting ready for it it's kind of what i'm looking for just now so we're speaking to a few people um was with through dark yesterday and they're interested in helping with one of the projects which is uk based and brilliant if we can pull that through off dark, what an amazing clothing cool brand. guys eh? and i love their gear too like i wear their clothes all yeah all the time anyway it's uh so it's a brand it's a british brand with. Yeah, and attention to detail, and the lads, the two founders, Staz and Louis, what they've created in five six years is it's literally awesome. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Even their office yesterday I was at, it's like I've never seen it like it's a cool, isn't it? like that. It's two ex special forces lads. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. it'd be something I'd be proud to represent. Yeah, it's, uh, I think through dark would suit you. I think it would. It's a good mindset sort of connection yeah. as well. It's like a pushing limits, and I'm in the mountains all the time mm. anyway. So yeah, I'm excited to see what comes from that. And um, well, yeah. just going back there, you're saying you're trying to get permission from. Airspace and da 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 da. Yeah. What what are you what are you thinking of doing? I'll tell you one thing. So I'm trying to um, trying to arrange to fly down Ben Nevis in mm. the wingsuit. So I'll, there's no exit point, meaning there's nowhere I could jump from the mountain. Mm. But if I could get permission to jump from a helicopter just above the summit, I could then you know do something pretty special on that mm. mountain. Which, given that it's, I mean, I'm Scottish as well, so like yeah. doing a a project in my own country in a kilt. In a kill. Yeah, I mean, I'm almost like a kill. Like like almost yeah. like a kill. Um, yeah, and I have a vision for that. I've been thinking about that for a while. So we're trying real hard to put that into place for maybe next springtime, which again, I think would draw some attention, which I don't want attention, but, but I, think you I need, need attention. It. You for need like attention. If you, want, side of things. if you want to get attention, people want to be partnering with you. Yeah, exactly. So attention's key, what you're doing right now. Yeah. So I'm I think all... you're at the right age. What a perfect age. Yeah. We're having this conversation in 10 years. You'll be world champion. You'll be doing this. You've got Red Bull on board. You've got Through Dark on board. You'll have all these wonderful brands on board. Because I can just see how focused you are. Yeah. So focused. You've yeah, got that glint in your eye that this is all you want to do. It is all I want to do. And there's not many people out there these days who can actually do what they want to do every single day and be happy. Yeah. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm trying to just take that opportunity. I understand exactly how blessed I am to be able to. Yeah. So I just want to make sure I do it all right. Um, we also have a, a film production company we're working with at the moment. They want to put together like a, a feature length documentary kind of about the journey yeah. to this point. Um, so we're in the process of that. That's that looks exciting. Like going to happen. Yeah, that would be a pretty cool thing. How much do you reckon you need a year to be comfortable and go, you know what? This is a right touch. I've got X amount of sponsors on board. 
to pay for my living. I'm still living in the back of a van because yeah. I enjoy that. Love that. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> love it, love it. Still living in the back of the van, but actually I'm comfortable. I'm getting X amount of thousands of pounds put into my bank each month. And I can just focus on this because I want to be number one in the world. Honestly, like my expenses, my main expense is fuel. Yeah. Driving from place to place. And then like, there's a few other things. Ah, I could survive on £2,000 a month and then go and do everything. You know, Would like that two, change your world if you've got two grand a month? Yeah, something like two to three grand a month would allow me to pretty I'll much Allow you to throw three in there. You know, maybe two, like three, four. Grand, you know, it depends who we're talking to. <laughs> no, but that would, I mean, the things I would do with that. And like yeah. you say, I, I love the van lifestyle. I just wash in rivers and lakes and stuff. Like I'm I'm a proper like dirtbag. <laughs> I love it. I don't want to change yeah, any of that. Like um, I spoke to people and they're like, oh yeah, like we can cover hotel costs. I'm like, I don't want, that don't want hotel. a hotel. Like, yeah. I sleep... I've been in ho- hotels with my dad before and then went into the car park to sleep in my van because I get such a better night's sleep in the van. Like <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if I, if I had something like that, an opportunity like that, I would, I would be just training all the time. And yeah, I think I could make a lot of things happen. Do you th- how much do you reckon you can improve in an eight-year period from 22 to the age of 30? I'd be world champion in an eight-year period, for sure. Not to sound cocky, but in an no, eight-year period, yeah. no, for sure. Um, Anyone listening out there, Please check out Liam Byrne on Instagram because he just needs that leg up now of someone just believing in him and paying him a couple of grand a month and getting behind him. Yeah, it would be a it would be a game changer. And uh, I think there's brands out there. Have you approached brands? So because we had this um, had like a quite a long lasting sponsorship thing before, so we were pretty we were pretty loyal, and we're we're me and my dad are like that. We mm. we want to represent a brand and be loyal to mm. them, so we didn't really fish around. And now that that's that's done, um, yeah, we're in the process of trying to reach out to companies, um, companies that you believe in, companies that I like, yeah, companies like that I use, same. that I wear, that I. We've turned like, down four or five companies who want to sponsor the podcast and as, as me wearing stuff. No, 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 no. Until you get the right one, you actually believe in. You can talk yeah. about it genuinely, like through dark or you know. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't want to wear some like. Yeah, shit t-shirt that is bad and gives me a rash in the mountains, and do a mm. little video, be like, "Hey, everyone, yeah, use this." Where it's something like through dark, it's like. I'm going to wear it anyway. Yeah. So I might as well represent yeah. them. It's- yeah. Who, tell me, tell me the maddest jump anyone's ever done. What's that guy from Red Bull? Didn't he go to outer space or something? I can't remember. Oh, what yeah, happened. Felix. Yeah, yeah. What, what happened there? What did he do? He got like a hot air balloon, like, like a, pretty much a hot air balloon to, I, I don't know the exact height, but it was on the edge of the atmosphere. That's right. It was about as high up as you could yeah. physically go. I mean, he's in like a space suit. All red balled up, wasn't it? All red balled oh, yeah, up, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he jumped. Um, and because the air is so thin up there, like, mm. again, I should know his terminal velocity, but he was going, like, I mean, he had a trailer, like, fire behind him in the video. He was yeah. going stupid fast. I think he actually went unconscious because he, like, was yeah. spinning so much because you don't have the air to basically manipulate your position. Yeah. I think he was just, like, got into a spin. And, Where was he from? Felix, Felix. Where is he from? I'd be lying if I said oh, okay. He's European, but yeah, okay. I'd, I'd be lying if I said yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he pulled it off and he got stable by the end. And yeah, he, he, I mean, he succeeded. It was pretty, I mean, the whole world was watching that one. The whole was world. Epic. That was ridiculous. I was like, what is that lunatic doing? Like, But again, yeah. do you feel like I'm sensing from this conversation that you are constantly wanting to push boundaries? Do you think yeah. you, do you, th- do you think like in five, six years time, someone offered you to do something wild like that? You'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm game for this. I'm ready. Yeah. As long as I felt it in my heart that it was something that was worth doing. Yeah. Because um, there's world records out there that we're trying to organize as well as other projects, like uh, furthest distance ever covered in a wingsuit. 
just requires like a so head. again the furthest distance ever covered in a wingsuit yeah so which like, is what at which the moment is just short of 20 miles it's like 19.7 miles so from jumping from there wingsuit yeah and all the way 20 okay yeah but it requires like a halo skydive so it was set from 36,000 feet so you need to be all rigged up with oxygen and it's like a nine minute flight which like these suits are physical to fly it's not just like a jump out and flapping your yeah. wings there it's hard work yeah a couple minute flight if i do a day of like eight jumps i'm smashed right okay uh, so a nine minute flight is yeah it's full on but I did mean, you say in one day eight jumps yeah uh, skydives i could oh, do eight skydiving. Jumps. okay base jumps i don't like to do too many because how many can you do in a day as base jumps i i wouldn't do any more than, i set a limit on five because <laughs> i feel like and, and that would be in a place where you're getting a gondola yeah you're not doing much okay hiking. yeah bang that, if i'm okay. doing a big hike i'll do one yeah okay. I, I, that's that for me is a perfect day it's yeah. one big hike one amazing jump land get some carbs in you and then go to sleep that's my what's the what's what's the feeling like once you've landed after a big base jump when you're on the ground knowing you just smashed it i mean it yeah i mean you make sounds that you don't even know you can make like sometimes i'm screaming like a like yeah. a child yeah uh, i've had jumps where i'm like i landed a field of my own and i'm like emotional almost like tearing up because i'm like especially in the beginning like the first couple real big wingsuit jumps i did I was like, this is everything that I've ever, like every time I'm daydreaming, if I put headphones on in my, my own space, all I think about is flying. And it's been like that since I was 12, pretty yeah. much. So I'm like, I'm just living everything that I've ever imagined. And I'm very grateful for that. So sometimes that makes you a little bit emotional. It's like, this is crazy. Same on the exit point, you walk to the edge. It's like, how have we got here? Mm. Like we really have done everything we mm. said we were going to do, um, which is like the whole like, manifestation thing. But it's just putting putting action like putting plans into action and doing what you're like if you can create a plan of like how could i do that yeah which is what we did yeah and then you, you do it yeah chances are you're going to get there it's uh absolutely well just going back to that that's the same as business so if you plan yeah. business going reverse engineer it da, da, da. that's why i asked you when you were 30 what do you can you be yeah like, i'm gonna be world champion yeah i love that that's why i asked you how much money do you need two three grand well, you can get that locked in within this year. We can find someone. Surely there's people listening out there would want to get yeah. involved with the future world champion. You know, what's your ideal lifestyle business? People never speak about this. People go, oh yeah, just get into business and it just goes and yeah. goes and goes. I like to reverse engineer back and say, mm -hmm. I want my lifestyle to be this every single day. What's yeah. it for you? So I think my lifestyle, at least for the next couple of years, I still see myself like living in a van, traveling a lot, being jumping, but I want to start, I'm aware that I need to come in and get a bit of a business aspect. I want to start doing like, like talks, like public speaking mm. or like even corporate talks, something where I can translate the, the mindset of dealing with risk, dealing with fear, yeah. high pressure situations, like telling people that you can do way more than what you think. Like we live in a society that kind of beats us down and mm. like makes you think that things are impossible. And everyone's always telling me to come back to the real world. Don't, I'm like, don't. Your real world don't, and my real world different. are very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My world feels pretty real. Yeah. So I think I could have a platform to like inspire some people to like mm. go out and I'm not telling anyone to go jump off a cliff. I actually advise that nobody goes and jumps mm. off a cliff, but to go and if you've got something that you've been thinking about that you seems unachievable, it probably is. If somebody else is doing it, it's achievable. And my dad always said that even when we were climbing Kilimanjaro, it's like, yeah, but other people have done it. Yeah. So just let's just go and do it. Yeah. That was our mindset. We didn't think like, oh, if we fail, you know, it's okay. Yeah. There was none of that. It was There's like no plan B, like, just walk up, yeah, walk yeah. up the hill. Yeah. Like man up. Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah. uh yeah. and I think there's uh especially with the way the world's going now, like mental health, people aren't mm. happy. Mm. People aren't happy with the way that they're living. 
and they don't have to live that way. Mm. Like I think there is a shift going on where people are starting to wake up. Yeah. And I think there's yeah, there's probably a market there for that. And it's something I would enjoy doing. I was always actually quite shy, but now I'm coming at Michelle a little bit and I, I can speak and I think I I think I would actually be pretty good at something like that. So that's mm. something I'm looking into. I have the idea of like a podcast as well. Like I know so many incredible people that are friends. I could be like, let's just like what we're doing here, like yeah, have, have a chat. chat. Have a chat. Do um, it. Even in the back of the van, get some microphones. Do it. Video. Like I think it's, I think something I should do. Um, do it. You yeah. will not regret it. I yeah. promise you. Yeah. I did it for a bit of fun. In started three years ago. I didn't expect it to turn into what it is today, being a big podcast. But just do it. Yeah. We're all well connected. You get people you know on bam, we have a wicked conversation, and people listening to it or watching it on YouTube, enjoying it. And I think yeah. the way you speak, you've got a real older head on your shoulders. You know, you speak really well. Yeah, I think I'm lucky that like from basically 12 and even younger than that, I've always been doing all these expeditions. It's all like full grown men yeah. I'm surrounded with. And then my dad and his like old military friends. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and now even in skydiving, I was always a kid and people take you under their wing yeah. and you're getting a lot of advice. I've been really lucky in that sense. And it's made me mature. I think doing such a high risk sport and even younger, like some of the stuff we were doing was there was a risk involved. Mm. Like we were talking like, if you die in the mountain, do you want me to take you home? Mm. Or do you want to stay? Like me and my dad had those conversations at a very young age. Yeah. And we're both like, yeah, just leave us. Don't worry. Like we, we've, we've always been talk open about things like that. And I guess it's, I guess it matures you. I love how your dad's given you belief. Oh, so much belief. It's yeah. one of the nice, same with my dad. I'm tight with my dad. It's one of the nicest gifts a parent can give a child is letting them believe in themselves. Yeah. It's, mm. uh, yeah. He's always said you can do anything. anything. If somebody else has done it, even if somebody else hasn't done it. Yeah. You still do it. Like, Agree. You, can, you can do anything. Agree. And, uh, yeah. I carry that belief in the ticket. Liam. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Likewise. Yeah, really enjoyed it. I think you're a, a real special person. I think you'll be a world champ as well. Got a feeling. And see it in your eyes. Yeah. Yeah, you, no one's going to get in your way. So far, they've not. Mm. Where can people find you, Liam? Uh, Instagram is Liam Byrne Zero, spelled B-Y-R-N-E, Irish spelling. Facebook's just my name. LinkedIn's just my name. I need to start a YouTube channel start if you give me a few weeks give me a week or so and it'll start, be Liam Byrne I need to start a YouTube channel start um, podcast and YouTube channel yeah I think that's the next steps that's that was going to open you up to many opportunities and lots more sponsors want to get on board with you because you've got that voice YouTube's the second biggest search engine owned by Google as soon as you go on YouTube people are seeing you seeing your stuff all of a sudden sponsors will be like I want to get yeah. involved with what he's doing yeah yeah it's the next mate month. I wish you all the best Liam appreciate it yeah Thanks you're a good man on. likewise nice one mate pleasure cheers mate